You can be seated. As I was saying earlier, that it is it is words that direct us from one place to the other place. God could have God could have gave us anything, right? He could have gave us anything uh, as His primary source of guidance and leadership. Hold on one second. He could have gave us anything as his primary source of guidance and leadership. But what did he do? He gave us his word, right? He gave us his word. He said, look, this is going to be my way that I lead. All right, there we go. He said, this is going to be my way that I lead through my word, right? He, He could have. You know, we've seen God do some amazing things in the Bible. It says that in the Old Testament, when the people, uh, 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 when, when he wanted, when he put Adam and Eve out of the garden, it says that he set uh, a flaming sword right in front of the garden, and he put angels to watch it. That's why when you see pictures of the Ark of the Covenant, there is that big angel wings and different things like that. But God could do anything he wants. He split the, the Red Sea, and they walked, the Bible says they walked across on dry ground. He could do whatever he wants, but he said, listen, he said, the, the, he picked his word to guide and to lead, right? The Bible says a child left alone brings shame to the whole family. So even though Jesus is not here with us in physical form, he left us his word to guide us and to lead us along the path, right? And so words guide you, words take you places. Listen, somebody tell you the wrong words, they will guide you to act ignorant, right? So if you get in, you, you, you know, and sometimes it don't even have to be a word, it can just be a symbol, you pull up next to somebody, they cut you off in the car, and they give you that one-finger symbol. Those words that go along with that one-finger symbol can guide you to act crazy. Now, you understand where I'm coming from? They say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true, right? The reason why sticks and stones and guns and knives get involved anyway is because of words. Is that right? They write words on a piece of paper. The president, the government write words on a piece of paper that will send the country to war with words. Right? Words are powerful. When, when somebody does something wrong and they stand in front of the judge, they have a, a clerk over there next to them. If you, whether it's a traffic ticket, you're in traffic court, whether you've done something terribly wrong, the words on the paper, I sentence you to X amount of years in the state penitentiary, federal penitentiary, them words, and they, what do they do? Everywhere you go, them words that were, that were brought forth by the authority govern what you, where you go and what you do. It's all about words. Go here, come there, do this, do that. When you get to your new job, they put a bunch of pieces of words on a piece of paper and they tell you this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you can't do, this isn't it. Words govern everything. And God knew that. That's why God left us his words to govern our life. Amen. And so there is some fill in the blank parts of it to it. But the good news about it is it's an open book test. Amen. So this morning I want to talk about, uh, we, we're starting a series, kicking off a series today called about the blessing. Amen. Talking about the blessing of God. And so a lot of times in life, you know, uh, we, we have people have varying opinions on the blessing. Right. What does it mean to be blessed? Oh, it's just talking about, you know, material things and this and that and the other. You know, well, that's a wrong attitude right out the gate. That's a wrong attitude right out the gate. Anybody that's married. Right. I don't expect from, you know, let me tell you, let me say this here first. You expect for people in church, people uh, can be real crazy because they don't read their Bibles enough. Right. They don't spend enough time around God. They can be real crazy. They can believe something real stupid and real crazy that goes against what the Bible say. And because they heard somebody else say it and they don't read the Bible for themselves. All right, let's make some real quick sense before we start reading some scriptures here, right? 
When I, when I, you know, took my beautiful bride, uh, uh, caught her hand down at the altar, right, and we stood in front of that, uh, my, my, uh, my pastor, Richard Rodriguez, he, he began to do what? He began to speak words. And that's how we carried out the marriage ceremony, right? So he began to speak words over the marriage. And, and I, you know, what, what I had to say was I had to quote some things after him, you know, with this ring, I thee wed, you know, and I promise to not act bad with you and love you all the way and put up with anything you do crazy or whatever until I, I lay it down, right? That's my version, right? So I make promises. Then I had to say, uh, you know, I, when, when they say, well, hey, are you, you know, uh, ma'am, do you feel the same way? And this, that, and the other. My wife had to say, well, I do. And I had to say, I do. And this, that, and the other. What was we doing? We were making covenant. We was making an agreement. Right? And so because, now, what led me to the altar in the first place? What led me to the altar in the first place was that I had emotions and feelings and this thing called love about this girl that was going off in my heart. You know, if you watch the cartoons, the little uh, uh, squirrel man, you know, kicked up his feet and the, the hearts go everywhere and he went six, seven feet off the ground. Well, everybody, listen, that's what it was all about. So listen, but when, my, my, when love is my intention, wrong is not my intention. When it first started, and everybody else, if you got, anybody here that got married, you attracted somebody, when you first started that thing, now you might have got off on the wrong foot later on, but you was kicking up, oh, you know. Uh, hey, listen, that's why love will make you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do, right? Like, like you will, listen, uh, you know, I worked at Sam's Wholesale Club, and so, uh, when I was a teenager and I had, you know, girl I thought I was in love with, so I got lunch break, how much I got an hour, so, you know, I'm mashing in my car. Uh, you know, 25 minutes to get over there, uh, Brother Alfonso, to get over there to the girl, to spend five minutes with the girl, and then I'm going back to work. You know, I didn't even get a chance to eat, but I just want to see your face. <laughs> you understand? I just want to see your face, baby girl, because I love. <laughs> That's why they write so many songs, all these, these songs about love, you know? Uh, Roger Charman and Zap made a song back in the day about computer love. You know, yeah. I'm telling you, they make all these. Russell, you know about that song, right? So, no, listen, they make all of these songs about love. It could be country, it could be R and B, it could be, you know, it's love songs because people when they in love, you know, uh, uh, Lionel Richie, he writes these love songs. You know, Lionel Richie, you know, the only one know how to sing. You know, you once, twice. Three times a lady, and I love, y'all can't sing, you, you know, they, they make this song because love is a special thing. It's, it's not unlike anything, right? And so I, if I got those intentions when I fall in love, I'm blinded, I'm nuts, I'm like, wow, you know, there's this connection, you know. I want to, if I can do that with my wife, my wife can do that with me, you can do that with your spouse, whatever, when the sparks start to fly, why come God can't do that with us? If God said he loves you, you don't think it ain't no sparks flying your direction? Right? That's why you, hey, listen, you know, when we come down to getting that ring, whatever, I'm going to get you looking. How many carrots we're working with? What's the budget like? I'm going to do the best for you that I can. Right? I want to see you smile. I'm going to take you out to eat. You know, I think you're ordering too much food, and I ain't got that much money in my wallet, but I ain't going to say nothing because I love you. Right? So love make you do some crazy things, right? Love, love prompt you to action. That's what it's all about. Love make you do an action. And so, so listen, the very nature of love is giving. And so the Bible says of God in, uh, I think it's Ephesians 4, 8, it says, let us love because God is love. 
Right? So if love prompts you to the action of giving, if God loves you so much, the, the, the first thing, the, I mean, not the first thing, but the biggest thing, the most important thing God ever said that he gave him. We all know the scripture. For God so loved the world, what did he do? Did he take from him? Did he whoop him? Did he hate on him? No, he gave his son. Love pushes you to give. Love will make you watch a movie with your spouse that you don't want to see. I don't want to see these, you know, some of the movies my wife watch, I don't want to see these movies. You know what I mean? Like, man, what am I doing here? This ain't promoting no kind of masculinity in my direction. <laughs> but I love my wife, so we sit down and we watch the movie, right? She got me taking me, going places. I got two dogs. <laughs> two dogs. You say, you got two? Yeah, I just had one, but now I got a second dog. Why? I don't want these dogs. Right? I'm just kidding. I love Stanley. The other one, I don't really know that much. But I got these dogs. If I, really, if my wife wouldn't, I wouldn't have the dogs, Doc. Right? So I take the dogs, you know, and, you know, trying to learn how to potty train the dog. You know, the little dog coming here. Stanley's good. He potty trained. He'll never go to the bathroom in the house. Never, 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 never. His, his system busts inside before he go to the bathroom in the house. The new dog trying to learn. And she's six pounds. You know, so it's maybe a, a few teaspoons of, you know, whatever she do right there. And it'll wipe it up. Real, but see, I, I, I'm cleaning up the stuff. See, when she got the dog, I wasn't supposed to have to do that with the dog. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to have to do that with the dog. But now I'm having to do that with the dog because I love my wife. <laughs> you know, supposed to, you're supposed to want to take the dog to the bathroom. You know, but in the morning I wake up and the dogs is, they whine and cry. My wife says, I'm going sleep. I'm like, Shoo. I got to take the dogs outside, right? At night, you know, I'm doing this. This ain't my dog. But I love you. I'm going to take the dog outside, right? So love makes you do stuff you wouldn't normally do. Right. Amen? And so because, uh, uh, and, and anytime I do marriage counseling, one of the things I talk to people about, and this may just be my intro today. I might not get to my information, but I'm in the right vein. I'm going to stay right here. One of the things I do when I do marriage counseling is I tell people, I say, one of the things you got to have, man, you got to have passion. You got to have passion. What do passion look like? See, some people, you know, uh, they, they will think, well, hey, look, you don't need to have passion. You just got to be obedient. If I say I love you, and I look, no, I got to have some passion. Passion allows me to stick with you when you do something stupid. That's what passion do, right? So passion, you know, you know let me tell you what passion look like. Passion look like this. It's, it's, you have everybody scratching their head. Why are you sticking with the person? I just, I, you can't even answer the question. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's what passion is. I don't know. <laughs> if you ain't got none of that, now, now there's a, it, it goes to one level that's, 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 that's different. Right. We're not talking about being crazy or being... Uh, 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 to, to the level of abuse, right, or being immature. We're not talking about abuse. We're talking about, man, you won't pick your underwear up off the floor. You know, uh, 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 you spent up all the money. It's that and the other. You, look, you're, just, you're just messing up. You know what I mean? You hurt my feelings. I know we had a, look, but passion just like, shoot, going to work it out. Right. Y'all understand where I'm coming from? That's what passion is about. You, if you ain't got none of that, listen, before you get married, listen, you, you got to have some of that. Because that's the listen, that's the major glue that'll hold the thing together. That's the major glue that'll hold it together right there. And so, uh, you know, it, it has to be that way. Because, listen, God has passion towards you. 
You have to have passion toward God. What does passion toward God look like? You know, God, you said to do X, Y, and Z. I don't really feel like doing it, but because I got passion, I'm coming on. Amen. If you want to get somebody in a relationship with God. So let's, let's look at this. We're going to talk about three things. Three things. Man, I hate this thing here. I got to do something about this. Thing keeps switching off. And I got to load it back up. Why don't you just set the time? Listen, listen, listen. I got so much other stuff going on. I intend to do it. Y'all know how I am about moments of silence. We'll not apologize for them. All right, so um, I got three things. If you're taking notes, as soon as this thing comes back on, I want you to, I got them in my pocket. We don't have to wait on it. All right. So three things that we're going to talk about and trying to understand about the blessing. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about covenant. And then we're going to talk about the blessing. All right. So love is an intense feeling. This is this is one definition. It's complicated. An intense feeling of deep affection that presents itself in different ways. Right. One definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection that presents itself in different ways. Now, understand something. Love is not 100% based on a feeling. That's why I say love is so complicated. Right? It's not based on a feeling. That's why a person jump up and say, well, I'm not in love with you no more. No, you know, hey, listen, it's not about, about how I feel. All right? Listen, we've been married for, shoot, somebody help me, I think 23 years. My wife don't get mad about that, though, because she don't know either. All right? We just know we wake up together every day and we just keep it going. Uh, so so uh, love presents itself in different ways, all right? And so we, we talked about this before. Remember when we went over the four kinds of loves, right? We went over the four different kinds of loves. And uh, who remembers what they are? Somebody help me out. The good students across church help me out. Phileo, right? Agape, what else? Eros, one more, and Storgy, right? Okay, so we went over. Love is a complicated thing, right? Love is a complicated thing, and there are different kinds of love. Let's review that real quick while we look. Because this, listen, this is what we're doing. We are needing to find the root of why God would bless us. We, we need to find a root. And so if I can tell you that God will bless you, you might say, why would he do something like that? But if we help you understand the relationship, what God's intention with the relationship is, then we can walk and we can say, okay, God, why, why do we need to be talking about blessing right now? We're not, we need to be talking about blessing at the Cross Church right now, not so that, you know, the parking lot can be full of Cadillacs, you know, and, and different things like that. Now, you want to buy your Cadillac? That's fine. But it's, we're not talking about strictly materialistic possessions. We are involved in a move of God here at the Cross Church that will affect the city of Cleveland and around the world. So listen, we need, our folks need to be blessed. And, and the pathway to blessing is believing that you're supposed to be blessed. If you don't never believe you're supposed to be blessed, you're not going to be looking for no blessing. Amen? So we need to fix your thinking where blessing is concerned. So we're going to start off looking at love, what, what, you know, our love relationship to God. Again, storage is an affection love. It is the love of enjoying someone or something. Uh, it's 
like saying, I love that movie, or I love that actor, or Aunt Shirley's cake. It's like, I love the person, the place, or the thing for the joy that it makes me feel. That's, the, that's what story you love is. You know, people use that real loosely. I love this, I love this, you know, this, I love such and such. You love it not because of pure intention, you love it because you're getting something back from it. Right? So that's the first kind of love. Then you have phileo love, which is a friendship love. It's a, and friendship is the, is the least needed. Right? Friendship is the least needed, says C.S. Lewis. This is who wrote the book, The Four Loves. Is the least needed of the loves and is the least jealous of the loves. Friendship arises out of mere companionship when each share a unique treasure or burden. Right? This friendship is pointing somewhere, going somewhere. So you're friends. A lot of times, uh, listen, you're friends with people. How many uh, people you had that you were friends with at your job or a job that you used to work at? And every morning, y'all was tight, you know, coming out. Hey, I'm looking for you, girl. You know, how was your weekend? Da, 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 da. Listen, you leave out of that job and go find another job somewhere else. You ain't talked to that person in 15 years. Right? And you was there with them for 10 years, hanging out with them. That don't mean you didn't like them. It just means the friendship was kind of conditional based on what you were doing. And you don't have but enough room for so many friendships in your life. Right? So it's, that's not a bad thing at all. It's not a bad thing at all when you're friends with somebody because of the direction that you're going. Uh, now, a male and a female of the same interests and goals who are not repulsive to each other and love no one else will eventually grow. Well, I mean, I'll skip down too far. Will eventually get. Yeah, okay, no, I didn't. Will eventually grow into eros love, which that's the next one we're going to look at. Phileo can happen between the opposite sex, but that uh, eros but the eros is, is, is a, on a whole different level, and it's hard to keep them out. So you can have two people that are friends, opposite sex or whatever, and it goes no further than that. You can have that. But eros is such a strong thing that usually it's, it's difficult to do. Uh, although the least needed, it seems the most enjoyed, and the longest lasting of the earthly loves is, is the phileo love, friendship. Eros is romantic love. This is the third one. So we had storgy, phileo, and eros. Eros is romantic love. Eros points the people to each other. While phileo points them toward a certain goal, eros points people at each other. Right? So that's them fireworks and all I'm talking about. Make you want to spin around like Michael Jackson when you see the person. You know, looking for a glove. Oh, my God. You know, that's what happened when I saw my wife. When I, I was at that, it was 20-something years ago, B.C., before Christ. I was at a friend of mine's party. And I walked inside of the door, and she was in the bathroom fixing her hair. The door was open. And, man, I tell you what, I almost shot through that ceiling when I saw her. Because I had saw her at school, you know, and I thought she was, like, smoking hot at school. I'm like, this is that girl, the girl with the pretty Mexican girl with the big lips. I love that girl, you know. <laughs> and so when I saw her, I'm like, my mind just took over, Brother Alfonso. It went to another place. And so I, uh, I had these other two girls that were with me, both of them, you know, good friends of mine, very attractive. But, I, but they were just friends. They were, they were phileo friends in the truest extent of that. We were buddies. And so I said, well, this girl ain't going to understand that I'm friends with these girls. I need to take these girls home so I can talk to this girl. So I shot them back to the house, right? <laughs> and I come back over there, and the party's over with, you know. And I'm like, and she's the last one there. Thank you, Lord. She's the last one there. So she's at the top of the stairs, and I see her at the top of the stairs. And the, the, we had a mutual friend, and the mutual friend said, Levi, you know, did you forget something? And I'm just quick on my feet, leaning like that. I said, yeah, I forgot her. <laughs> right? First words I ever said to her, yeah, I forgot her. Young, hey, uh, did you hear what I just, you see how I did that? <laughs> Big Al, you, did you hear that? 
All right, tighten your game up, son. Get yourself, get yourself married. You, all right. So she came down the stairs and we talked. When she came down the stairs, and uh, man, we talked for a couple hours right there in the parking lot. And the next night we went on a date. But I was, I was just overcome, man. You know, my life was when I went home that night. All she was all I could think about, man. It's, Love this girl, man. You know, this is this girl's amazing. I just want to be with her, you know. And so my phone's going off. Everybody else, you know, nah, you know, this this girl's the one right here, right? So, so that's the kind of sparks that fly when you start talking about that. Eros, and it's not just about the the sexual attraction. It's it's this uh, this pulling. Amen. It's a it's a pulling of this interior. Talking about that passion. It's a pulling on the passion. You know what I mean? And, and, and yes, the, the physical parts of the physical th- part of it is part of it, but it's a pulling on the passion. So I had that situation when I met my wife. Right. So those are the three kinds of love. Now, let's look at let's look at this one, because we don't go too extensive. And you have to go back and find the podcast you want to hear. I got a whole series on that. You go back and find that one. Uh, agape. All right. Agape. Uh, agape love. This is the highest and the most unselfish of all the loves. Right. This is the first Corinthians 13 love, also called charity. It's not natural. It goes against ver- uh, our very natures. It loves the unlovable, the undeserving, the ugly. Uh, uh, it gives all and asks for no- nothing in return. It is the one thing that takes the greatest chance and is hit with the most loss. But Lewis pins a word that Lewis pins words that echo down the very core of our souls uh, as a hated truth. This is the love that sends you to work every day. This is my description. This is the love that sends you to work every day to feed your family. This is the love that will cause someone who cannot swim to jump into deep water to try to save a loved one. This is why marriages work. This is why this is where forgiveness comes from when you don't want to forgive. Agape, now agape has pieces of all of the loves in it, but it's unlike the rest of them. It's an unnatural love. This is a love that's obedient. This is a love that goes past, hey, look how I feel. Let's describe it that way. And so that's the way God is with, with this love. Now, people say, well, and I'm going all over the place out of my notes, but I'm just, I got to ride with it. People will say about God, God, when I, when I look at the Bible, they'll say that I see what God, he, he checks people or he disciplines people. Yes, he does. He does do that. But the Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves. Right? What that look like? Spoiled kid versus disciplined kid. I tell people all the time about their children when they're small. I say, listen, man, if you really love your kid, and I was having this conversation with my, my son's, uh, my son just had a, a child, and I was having this conversation with, it, with the child's mom. And I was explaining what they think, think about the daycare and where they're going to take the kid to the daycare and this and that and the other. And I said, uh, David's brand new. They're trying to figure that out. I said, listen, you know, you have, to, you have to train your kid how to behave, right? I said, if you don't train your kid how to behave and your kid's just a wild child and you trust them to the care of someone, they're going to put burden on the person that you trust them to care for. And if it's a daycare type setting, they got multiple kids they're trying to look after and your kid is the one acting crazy. I mean, that's why people, now this is no excuse. Let me do it again. This is absolutely no excuse. But in, a, in some of the cases where you see where they got the video and the person slinging the child around and standing other, a lot of the cases, like the child is like, that, that child is like real crunk or whatever. No excuse. How many times do I have to say it? No excuse. 
right? So the way to protect your child, if you know that some people are short of patience, is to teach your, your child how to act in an environment where there's more people that need attention than just him. Does that make sense? And so when we're raising our kids, that's why the Bible says this. He says, spare the rod, spoil the child. What does the word spoil mean? Spoil means that it's not good for anything, right? So he says that the way to make your child or help that your child is assured to be good for something is to correct the child. So because God, listen, so now we can look at correction in the same way that we look at everything else that when we're talking about blessing. God corrects you because he wants to bless you. That makes sense? God corrects you because he wants to bless you. He does not want you to be in a situation where the laws are having to lay hands on you, the principal's office are having to lay hands on you, that you're going to your job, you can't work, uh, 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 function in a work environment. God don't want you to live that way. So God says, listen, I'm going to help you get right right now so that you can function around people, right? Because I want to see you get blessed. So let's remove when God corrects somebody from the excuse that God don't want to bless you. Let's take that away because now we see and we agree that part of being blessed by God is to be corrected by God, right? So, so listen, uh, uh, you, we're talking about blessing. We're talking about God wanting to do for you. We're talking about in, in different arenas of your life. What, what, in which ways can you be blessed, right? You can be blessed in your relationships. Yes, yes. You can be blessed in your marriage. You can be blessed in your family. You can be blessed in your career. You can be blessed in your health. God wants you to be blessed in all of those arenas. Now, for the most part, we will accept the fact that God wants us to be blessed. Thank you, Lord. We'll accept the fact that God wants us to be blessed in relationships. Most of us, we can get that. Most of us can get a little bit of a grasp on that God wants us to be, you know, he wants us to be healthy. Some of us can't even get that. We got to stop right there. Some of us think that we got this thing that, you know, you know, I'm sick and God put the sickness on me. Right now, he don't need to put the sickness on you. Right. Matter of fact, listen, I, I don't want my wife. Let's go back to where we started from. I don't want my wife to be running around here in bad health. Why? Because I love my wife. Right. I, I love my wife. I don't want my wife to, to be in bad. I want the best for him. So God wants the best for you. He don't want you running around here in bad health. But why is why is such as why is this happen? You know, in this in, in one word that comes up a lot of times, the word cancer. Right. Why did God let this happen? Let me tell you something. I wish I had an answer for you. Right. But I, but I can give you this is what I can do. I, I can't give you the whole thing, but I can give you this right here. I can tell you that everything that we see about God is about blessing and about healing. Right. God never told us to get in a situation where we gave up on somebody who was going through sickness. And he and, and then he gives us all of the scriptures talking about healing. Right. God's intention is to heal. Now, the Bible says that the devil or Satan comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. So God ain't the one who's coming with the bad stuff. God's intention for you is to bless you. He ain't bringing the bad stuff that don't add to God. Listen, God is not that immature. He ain't that immature. He said, well, I must have done something. God want to get me. Man, listen, God ain't got time for that. You think that God would clear his whole schedule with everything going on in the world and put some sickness on you to teach you something? Come on, man. God bigger than that. Ain't got time for that. No. Because let me tell you why. You want to know what God's busy with? God's busy with his promises. God, God, listen, I got to fulfill these promises. I got to, you know, fulfill these promises. So correction, we get the wrong idea of correction. We say God want to correct us. Listen, God don't correct you with sickness and with tragedy. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 
Jeremiah 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Stand up with me, Pastor May. I want you to read it. Give me a break from talking. I've been talking a lot. (laughs) You start and I'll tell you where to stop at. Uh, it's cool. Go ahead. If you fully obey the word of God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and the cows of your herds, and the lamb of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in, and you will be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving to you. Okay, that's through 14. That's through 8. Through 8? Keep going. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your grounds, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give to you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Okay. So did you see a constant thing in that stream of what she read? It's if. All right? So if, the reason why the if is there is that the, the, the promise, listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to get this right because you can fix this in your head. Write this down. Say it to yourself. Do what you got to do. The promise is conditional. The love is not. Right? The promise is conditional, but the love is not. The promise is conditional, but the love is not. So let's look at what does a conditional promise look like? Anybody familiar with the term covenant? Old, Old Testament. Old, that's what the covenant is. Old Testament, New Covenant, New Testament. Right? Let's read what a covenant is. A covenant is an agreement between God, from a biblical perspective, an agreement between God and his people in which God promises to his people uh, and usually requires a certain conduct from them. Right? In the Old Testament, God made agreements with Noah and Abram and with Moses. So in the covenant agreement, there's, hey, look, you got your part to do. I got my part to do, right? I heard uh, Kenneth Copeland describe this one time real good, and he talked about uh, Indians. Anybody watch the Cowboy and Indian movie? Y'all, that's outdated now. They don't make them like they used to no more. I used to love them, right? Clint Eastwood was a man, you know? I, got, I wish he'd do one more before he, before he, he go ride off into the sunset. 
But you watch those movies, the ones that used to come on Saturday with the bad sound, and sometimes they speed up and jump on their horse, you know, them kind like that. You will see them like the Indian, you know, and the Indian dude, if when they turn them into color, you're like, that dude ain't Indian, right? <laughs> when they was black and white, it looked Indian, but the dude ain't, ain't Indian when they put it in color, right? And so the guy, right? So what they would do is they would cut uh, uh, in their hand. You ever seen them do that? Right? When they, when they made friendian, uh, when they, when they fr- made friends with the Indian, the Indian would say, sit down. Sit down. We will make covenant. Yeah. We will be blood brother. Right? <laughs> so they sit down, and, and, they, and, the, and the Indian pulled out his knife, and he cut his hand. See, for me, right then, we got to find another way to do it. Because <laughs> I'm not fixing to cut my hand with no knife. Right? We're going to find another way to do this, or oh, this ain't going to work. How about we just exchange words? I promise. Put it on some paper. You know, that's what we do now. But back then, the Indians say, you know, and he get the knife, and they never would hesitate. Remember, Roy? They don't hesitate. They just cut it. I ain't cutting my hand like that. <laughs> right? So they cut their hand, and then they, both of them, they shake hands together, and then their blood mingle. That's blood brothers. That means that we covenant now. That means that we're not going to fight no more. That means that your enemy is now my enemy, and my enemy is now your enemy. That's what they were doing. Covenant is not new. It's something that's been going on, Right? But, but God is the originator of it, right? So God's, when we come into covenant with God, when we come into a place of covenant with God, we, we, when we become God's people, there are things that God will do for us because we're in covenant with God that we won't do for somebody else. Right, let me give you an example. Do you remember when God brought the children of Israel? And I think we're going to stop after this point. I can keep going, but that's enough for today. Remember when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? Right. And, and, he, and he, get, he gets Moses. Moses is somewhere off uh, 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 with Ed Jethro's place, you know, just found the love of his life. He saw his girl at the top of the stairs, you know, and, and they married now. And he's over there, a whole new life out of Egypt. He got his girl and he's out there and he goes on the mountain, you know, doing his herding job or whatever. He's up there. And that's when he has this burning bush encounter. Right. So God tell him, he says, listen, you know, life for you is going to be different now. I got to. I got a, a proposition for you, right? I have a proposition for you. If you accept my proposition, we will go into this relationship together and it will be beautiful for us, right? So God makes a deal with him. He makes a deal with him and he sends Moses. He sends Moses back over there and he told Moses, he said, listen, he said, the cry, listen to what I say. He said, the cry of my people. Yeah. He didn't just say the cry of anybody. He said, the cry of my people come to my ear, right? He said, I'm ready to get him out of there. He said, they messed up enough. Now listen, his people messed their own self up. God didn't punish them. Right. He said, and any time when you listen to what God say, even when, uh, when, they were, when they were about to go into the promised land, God didn't pronounce the punishment. He said this. He said, so have you spoken in my right. ear, so shall I do. Right. Right. You chose not to go into the blessing place. Yeah. You chose, you picked it. So God is not the one trying to shut you down from the blessing. You, if you read the rest of that Deuteronomy chapter uh, uh, 28, when you go to the second part of it, it starts talking to, talking to you about if you don't do the right thing, this, this, and this. This is what's going to happen to you. He says, I place in front of you a blessing and a curse. You pick the one you want. He said, listen, God don't have to chase you down and try to do nothing bad to you. You pick whether you're going to get good from God or you're going to get bad from God. Well, I've been doing everything right. It just seems like, you know, bad stuff's happening in my life. That's duh, the devil. It ain't God. It's the devil. You holding up your end of the thing. You don't have to be perfect. 
Now I'm talking about everybody mess up a little bit. I'll have sin and come short of glory of God. You just mess up one time, you know, two times, a season of messing up. Listen, God will still accept you back because you're his folks. But it's your messing up leading you into a place. You decide you're not going to serve God. You decide, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to go live a life of sin and this and the other. God going to still love you. Right? God going to still love you. But if you find yourself in a mess, you know, don't, don't say God did it. You did it. Now, God ain't God. He promised to never leave you. He promised to never forsake you. I tell people all the time, God will go to the penitentiary with you. He will go. But if it was God was real, he would stop me from going to the penitentiary. You went in there with the pistol and told everybody to lay down <laughs> and took their money from them. Yeah. Right? Now, now, now you, listen, you knew not to be doing that. Now you're very repentant and you feel sorry about it and you feel like that should be enough. And they said, let you go home right now. You finna go to the penitentiary. <laughs> right? Your ministry will be prison ministry. <laughs> right? He said, what you sow, you will reap what you sow. Right? Barring a miracle, some circumstance, you're going to the penitentiary. But good news, God going to the penitentiary with you. He going to make every court case with you. When you get on the bus and they let you out, every, listen, everything you do, God going to go to the penitentiary right along there with you. When you're in that cell, upset and want to be at home, God going to be there right with you. Why do you think you're going to have peace? Because God go to the penitentiary with you. So listen, you make choices. And you can't say when your choices lead you down into a place. But God, he don't bless me. To, look, you made the choice. Now, God will flip it around. I didn't talk to guys on the phone. I talked to one guy on the phone. He, they gave him life sentence when he was like 14 or something like that. And he did almost 20 years on it and was never supposed to come home. But he, he got turned his life around, got saved in there. God did a miracle and brought him back to the house. Out here and, and got a business thriving. I got a, a relative. As a matter of fact, he came and preached here for us before, uh, uh, Robert. Robert was supposed to go 25 years in the penitentiary. But God did a miracle. And, he, and let me tell you something. Repentance, miraculous situation. His life is playing out, serving God and doing what he's supposed to do with God. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I don't, and I want you to understand this. No matter how bad you mess up, never stop trusting and believing God to get you out of what you messed up. But... If they still throw you into the fiery furnace, understand that God going to go with you and you're going to keep serving God. Amen. So so the children of Israel talking about people that God will do stuff for. And we're going we're gonna to finish with this. Talking about people that God will do stuff for and other people that ain't qualified for the blessing. God's people, God's covenant people qualified. Say this with me. Say God's people, God's covenant people are qualified for God's covenant blessing. So the children of Israel are on their way out of Egypt. They go through this whole thing with all of the plagues and Moses dropping a stick on the ground and picking it back up and, uh, you know, it turned to a snake. You pick it back up and raising it up and the flies and the, and, the, and the frogs and the water turning to blood and, you know, the firstborn dying, everything. You know, then they on their way out. Right. Then listen, one day they over there eating onions and making bricks. And the next day I told you, little mama got a fur coat on. People got chains on like they at the BET Awards and they walking out of there with, with wagons full of gold and stuff like that coming out of the place, right, from overnight, right? They're coming out of there. And, and, and God did that because of his people. Now, they was in, listen, here, listen to me. You can be in bondage today. You can be going through hell today, but tomorrow could be a different story Amen. because God's never going to give up on you. He might let you sit in it for a minute. But he ain't going to give up on you. So then they, they on their way out of there. They got all of this stuff. 
all of the valuables, the gold, they got wagons and they moving. I've seen the movie, Charlton Heston and, uh, and what's the other guy, Ewell Brenner? You know, you've seen the Charlton Heston and them coming out of there, you hear me, dun, dun, dun. You know, they, all of the people in line going through the desert, they walking out, they laughing, happy, Moses, what shall we do? You know, Joshua, you know, you find out who Joshua is and all that. I love that movie, boy. And so they're coming out of there. You need to watch this movie sometime. You don't like to read it. It'll help you know what's going on. So they're coming out of there, right? And so they get over there to the Red Sea. They get over there to the Red Sea. Stand up for this one right here. Stand up for this right here. We've got to get excited about this. And it develop an excitement, an atmosphere for you to be excited. So listen, they're coming out of there, and they get over to the Red Sea, and the people, they say this. They say, uh, they say man, Moses, Pharaoh is coming after us, Right? And they said, what are we going to do? He's hot on our trail. He changed his mind. He was coming to get us. Right? And so, uh, you know, everybody shook up and panicking. And Moses, God tells Moses what to do. He said, get over there and stretch forth your hand. And the Bible says that, 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 that the, the strong east wind blew the water up this way. Another one blew it up over that way to where the, the Bible says that the children of Israel. Watch me walk through the Red Sea. Watch this preaching right here, Doc. Watch this. Watch me use what I got. Right here. I got this right here. See, water. Watch. So it says he walked through. On the dry ground. Children of Israel all coming behind. They walking through on dry ground. And they get across to the other side over here. Right? And so then what happens is after they make their way over to the other side. I'm going to make the other side over here. Y'all just keep watching. So when they get their way over to the other side over here. And uh, and all the, the, the children of Israel are out. Right? The God, Who did God open the water up for? Children of Israel. The blessing was for his covenant people. So then the non-covenant people tried to participate in the covenant, in the, in the blessing that God gave to his people. And it don't work like that. So the children of Israel say, look, uh, perhaps, you know, listen, we're just going to run through here too. No, 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 not so fast. Because God opened up the water for his covenant people. There's a difference between the people that God got covenant with and non-covenant people. There's a difference. God will do things for his people that other people won't get done for them. Membership has its privileges. Not just at the hair club for men. In the kingdom of God. So then they stay come across and they make their way out of their own dry ground. That's a miracle. Open up the sea and they walking across and water on this side, water on that side. And they coming through there. It ain't, listen, this, listen, it was enough to open up the water, but the ground dries. They, they feet didn't even get muddy. They coming through there, and the sharks is waving. <laughs> the whales is waving, all of the, you know, everything that would normally get you. You know, it's saying, hey, y'all go ahead on. God told us to just stay right here. But them people finna come, and we finna get them, right? And so the people, they, they listen, the, the Egyptians try to come and participate in the covenant blessing. And the Bible says that the water collapsed over on the folks. And they was drowned. And God told me, said, you're not going to see them no more right. after the day. There is a difference. Pastor, y'all hear what I'm saying? Pastor Ben, you hear what I'm saying? Everybody hear what I'm saying? There's a difference in what God will do for his, his people, the non-covenant people. The good news about it is, though, that it's easy to become one of God's covenant people. Amen. How do you do it? You do it with words. Yeah. God don't tell you you have to cut your hand like the Indians used to do it. Only thing you have to do is say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Only thing you have to do is say, Lord, forgive me for whatever that is happening in my life. That's all you have to do. And the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness after we say we're sorry. God has a blessing with your name on it. 
He had, listen, I never did describe to you what the word blessing means. Let me read this, and then I'm done. Just one sentence, one small sentence. Blessing. Approval that allows or helps and empowers you to do something that you couldn't do before. Approval that allows or helps and empowers you to do something that you couldn't do before. When, when, when God, and how did God, uh, think, think about this. Isaac, remember when Isaac spoke the blessing? Who was it? Was that Isaac? Yeah. Isaac spoke the blessing on his son. Right? He spoke it over him. And then uh, uh, Esau came in there and Esau said, help me. is that Israel? Jacob. Jacob spoke the blessing. And the other boy came in there and said, hey, can you take it? He said, no, I can't take it back. I, I'm sorry, but I can't take it back. I don't, he said he will be blessed. So God speaks to God pronounces or engages the blessing on your life through what he has written in the word. Now, it's up to you whether you receive the blessing. The blessing has to receive by faith, meaning this, that if I told you. If I told you. That I had a thousand dollars for you, a hundred thousand dollars for you. A million dollars for you. If you allow somebody else to tell you, you, you can't get that money. It ain't my fault that you didn't get the blessing. You let somebody talk you out of the blessing. And that's what the devil will do with words. He shake the words on you. Listen, listen. The devil never at one time came and hit somebody upside the head. Never. He robs you with his words. His game is so tight. His, his verbal game. He come to you and talk you out of whatever you got. Anything that God told you he's going to do for you, the devil can't grab you. He don't wrestle. He don't shoot. He don't stab. He don't run over people with cars. He don't uh, uh, blow up stuff with bombs. He talks folks into doing them type of things. And he'll talk you out of receiving what God got for you if you let him. You had listen. Jacob told, uh, Jacob wrestled with that angel. He said, he wrestled with him, wrestled with him. He said, I ain't letting you go until you bless me. Just because God said he'll do something for you don't mean it's going to be easy. You have to, it has to be settled that no matter what difficulty that I'm going through with this thing, God said that this belongs to me, this is mine, and I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to have what God said that I can have. Amen? That's what we, listen, this is the hour that we are in here in, in the ministry, we have to not allow the devil to hold on any longer to the things that God said that belong to us. Amen. The job here is, do, is too important. What God is trying to do here amongst us is too important to allow him to hold on to what God said that we can have. We can't do that. There are there are literal millionaires in this room. In this room. You say, oh, they are? I didn't know nobody was in a millionaire. I'm talking about the, what God said he got for you. Literal millionaires in the room. But are you going to let the devil hold on to your stuff? There's restoration for families in this room. Restoration. Are you going to let it go easy? Or are you going to fight for what God said that you can have? There's healing from depression in this room. Are you going to just say, hey, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way? There's healing for your body in this room. When I say in this room, I mean because the presence of God is here and God's presence will travel outside of this room. God's healing for your life is available to you, but you have to make up your mind. I'm going to get it and I'm going to hold on to it. God wants to bless you. 
He told the children of Israel, he said this. He said, I have prepared. He said, I'm going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's desire right there. But they said, no, we're not willing to go through all that to get what you got for us. It's up to you. Are you willing to go through the things necessary to receive what God has already laid up for you? Are you willing to fight for it? You have to be willing to fight for it. Every head bowed. 